Well, morning everybody. It's really fantastic to be here. Um, we feel uh, really warmly welcomed. Um, it's great to see some of you in person. I know we've been connecting in different ways online throughout the year. I think probably the last time um, we saw some of you face-to-face was um, up at the uh, devotion uh, prayer retreat back in February when the year was going really well. <laughs> um, but it's fantastic to be here and uh, it's a real honor and privilege to share with you today. And um, we just love Kirk and Nicole and, and many of you, but it's just fantastic to have been connecting with them um, throughout 2020 um, on the board. Uh, we've, we've had the privilege of, of Zooming with them sort of on a fortnightly basis and we've got to know them so much better and uh, we just feel um, so welcome to be part of your family today and we join in with that prayer of uh, blessing them on their well-deserved rest. Um, we're heading up next weekend so uh, we might bump into them, you never know. Um, but I, before we started today I just wanted to introduce uh, some more of our family. Our eldest daughter Karis um, isn't with us this morning but I'd like to introduce Daniel in the middle here. Um, Daniel's just finished grade 12. <laughs> So he's feeling pretty spun out at the moment, wondering if he should be doing anything, but really he, he doesn't need to be. So um, well done, Daniel, finishing year 12. Um, we've got Elijah here. Um, he's just finished year nine as well on Friday. Um, and then Abigail, um, just coming up to the end of year three, um, our youngest daughter. <laughs> Uh, so these guys are part of our story and part of what we're going to be sharing this morning. So we just wanted you to um, to have a look at them this morning. And um, we're just really thankful um, that they're here. So when we talk about them in a minute, you'll know who we're speaking of. Thank you, guys. Um, as well, we just want to say um, a great big um, Aussie hello from uh, Vineyard Down in Brisbane West. Um, we uh, we know that they are all rooting for you. It's fantastic to have two Vineyard communities um, living um, so close to each other. And as you know, we planted um, um, back in 2002, three. Um, <laughs> uh, from Pine Rivers um, and then we, um, Jonathan and I have just come up to the end of our sixth year there as senior pastors which I can't quite believe six years, I did just have to do the maths on my hand then when Scott was praying because that time has really really flown um, and being um, the first Sunday in Advent today um, we're going to be speaking on hope and uh, hope is something that is really personal to our family. And I've just introduced our children. And uh, we named um, Daniel, our eldest son, Daniel Hope Gould. And the amazing thing is that God appointed someone on the other side of the planet to pray for Daniel even before he was conceived. And... They were assigned to watch over him and pray for him until he was born. It was uh, a long nine months, as, as many people know, uh, if it, many ladies know who've, who've been expecting the birth of a, of a baby. And about uh, this time, 18 years ago, I probably looked a little bit like uh, Mary on her way to Bethlehem. Uh, Daniel was born in, in January. And uh, he was born around lunchtime. And uh, when we, uh, <laughs> thank you, Daniel, it was an awesome birth. Uh, we headed home. <laughs> so he was born at lunchtime, and we were heading home that evening. And we picked up some Chinese takeaway, 
um, on the way home, and there was me in the car with, with Daniel, and my dad and Jonathan went out to, to get some Chinese takeaway. It was really bizarre. Um, but when we um, logged on to our computer that evening, there was an email that had arrived in the morning. Now, back in 2003, you know, you had to actually um, be at home or in your office to get an email. Uh, you couldn't, like, just flick it up on your phone and have a look at it. So we didn't know that email was there, but it had arrived the morning um, just as we had set off to the hospital. And the person who God had assigned to pray for Daniel um, had said in the email, today is the day the child is, is going to be born. Now, even more amazing is that through that person, God prophesied and um, prophetically confirmed and Daniel's middle name as hope. And he gave Daniel a, a dynamic prophecy about his future. And Jonathan and I just kind of stood there with our mouths open thinking, thank you, Father, for that wonderful uh, promise that you've given to us in our son. Now, 2020 has been a tough year, hasn't it? Daniel had to complete year 12 uh, during 2020 with all those various restrictions and studying at home, not knowing uh, what was coming, um, if the exams were going to be able to be sat as normal, if you'd be able to go to a formal or even dance at it. Um, happily, all those things um, um, came together at the last minute, praise God. But at times throughout 2020, um, the year had looked quite hopeless has anybody else had a year a bit like that? Throughout the year, you know, we reminded Daniel that God is for us. And we've all sung that song, God is for you, he is for you, he is for you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, we read, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So for each one of us, hope is God's plan for our lives. Did you know that um, in the original language, um, Advent means arrival? And in this season, I'm looking at the uh, manger over there on, on my left, it's the season where we remember one particular birth story. And Jesus' arrival brings hope to the whole world. Now, some people aren't particularly Christmassy, but I'm not in that place. I am definitely a Christmassy person. And uh, I love to see what you guys have done here to begin marking this special season of preparing for the arrival of Jesus. But, you know, we were thinking... When we look at those nativity scenes that are set up, you know, in the shopping malls or maybe on your front garden or on your mantelpiece. You don't have mantelpieces? Do you? No, I don't have. What do you do with those things? I don't know. <laughs> we, I miss my mantelpiece, obviously. <laughs> but when we see those nativity scenes, you know, it's easy to think that that first Christmas was perfect. And when we think, you know, that 2020 was tough, 
Imagine what it was like for Mary the year that Jesus was born. Imagine being a teenage mum pregnant without a husband. Imagine an occupying power forcing you to leave your home. Imagine giving birth surrounded by animals. Imagine having to flee your country as a refugee. Imagine the slaughter of every boy your son's age. But in spite of all of these circumstances, Jesus' arrival brought hope to the whole world. Now, sometimes we can look at our own circumstances and think, I feel hopeless. You know, I can't see a way out of this. We might even ask, you know, where are you, God? I can't see you. I can't feel you. And often we find that things don't go well or how we expect them to. But biblical hope has always been about the arrival of King Jesus. Jonathan, can you come and tell us a bit more about what the Bible says about hope? Sure. Um, morning, everybody. Um, God is so intimately involved in all our lives. At times we might not feel it. Um, sorry, I, I forget these days you have to kind of stay front on with the camera. I like to walk around normally, so uh, just kind of tell me if I get out of shot. Um, but uh, God is as passionate about the birth of Jesus as he was about the birth of you. And you might think, this is, this is Jesus, you know, he's the, the Messiah, the King of the earth. But Jesus is the firstborn son in terms of the new generation that's coming. And we've been invited to follow in Jesus' footsteps into that new generation. But we sing that song, you know, that we are children of God. But at times we forget that God looks upon us he, he not only sees Jesus and what he did, which was incredible, living a sinless life, dying on a cross and everything else, but he, he looks at you the way that you look at your children and more. There's nothing in his heart of disdain, of um, uh, hopelessness, of uh, questioning when he looks upon his children. So when we look upon our children, we carry sometimes that same heart and that's the best we can know about how our father feels about us is when you stare into the eyes of your child and you think wow you trusted me to be a father I'm not sure I would and what's the qualification for having a child who takes you out and gives you three years worth of study it would be handy or at least some kind of input but what God gives us is his heart for our child. And he doesn't tell us what to do, but he invites us into that relationship to be. And it's out of that being that we find um, more about him and understanding his love for us. Now, for me, before I even had children, there's a verse in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And this inspired me so much that I thought, when I have my first three children... I want to name them somehow, faith, hope, and love. 
Um, so three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I just kind of hooked onto that verse as a young Christian, and I thought, wow, there's something profound about that statement. We're talking about things that are going to carry on for all eternity. So this, this is important. And I figured, you know, when I looked at my kids, I wanted them to carry on throughout all eternity with me. And I thought somehow I'll just put a marker upon them in a name that carries what God has done for us. So as Helen shared, um, we named our eldest son Daniel Hope. Um, our second son, we've named Elijah Faith. And our eldest daughter, who couldn't be with us today, um, her name's Keris, which is a Welsh name, and that Welsh name means love. So being firstborn, she likes to remind her siblings of that verse, because the greatest of these is love. <laughs> Any other firstborns here that you've got at home who just like to keep everybody else in place? It's funny how that dynamic works, but it seems to happen in most households. Not to leave her out, uh, I think she's there somewhere. Has she gone to the kids? She's gone to uh, jive, jive up. Um, our little bundle of joy when she came along, we named her My Father's Joy, um, which is Abigail. So coming back to the scripture, Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 13, and he spells out what love is. But often I find that faith and hope easily get confused because I can put my faith in Jesus and I can put my hope in Jesus. And so sometimes we kind of switch them out and interchange them. Now, it's really handy that the writer of Hebrews gave us a definition of what faith is. And uh, the writer of Hebrews, he links it to hope. So listen to this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. So if you think about it, it's impossible to have hope without faith. Did I say that way around? Yeah. Because if we don't have hope and we don't hope for something, how can we have faith to see it? Faith and hope, somehow, they complement one another. Now, this is how it works. Faith is grounded in God's past faithfulness. He said he was going to send a son. And there was 360 things, I think, prophesied about that son, who he would be, where he would be born, all the little details of his life right down to uh, things that happened to him on the cross. And God was faithful, and he sent the Son. So we have faith today that that manger 2,000 years ago, we could be standing there in expectation if we'd read the Old Testament, which is part of the Bible, by the way. For many of us, we kind of live in the New Testament. We tend to forget that. Um, but that's the scriptures that the Hebrews had and we read about people who were ready and expectant for their Savior to turn up. But hope, hope looks forward and it looks to the future. We trust in the promises of God. So God said that he would send a son and he did send a son. And when Jesus came, he said, I'm going to come again. And so we not only look back at this time of year of Advent, we look forward to Jesus' return. Now, in 2020, there's probably more people cried out, come Lord Jesus, than have ever <laughs> cried out before. Because 
In our generation, we've had a few hard things, but we've not experienced probably the likes of a world war and these kind of dynamics, which would just be even worse. I mean, it means we have to line up. Losing the hugging, that is a, that's a tough thing, isn't it? You didn't realize how important the hugging was until somebody told you you couldn't do it. And all the weirdness now when you step in a lift and everybody kind of backs into the corner and, uh, yeah, treat you like a leper. At least we know what the lepers felt like now. Um, so there's a few things in 2020 that we've learned, but um, what, we can, what we can know when we look back to God and his faithfulness is that we can have hope, confident hope in a future that he's going to return again. And as we heard in the worship, um, when he returns, he brings his kingdom with him in the fullness of all that means. So all that pain, all that struggle, all that strife and those relational issues that uh, just seem sometimes even harder than the physical ones we face, um, all of those will be gone when Jesus arrives on the scene. So if I read to my little girl every night and I promise to read her a story tonight, she can look forward to that joyfully with hope. But if I say to her, I promise I'll read you a story tonight, but for the last week I've said that and I've not done it, then she's not going to have a lot of hope that she's going to have a story that evening. Do you see how the dynamic works? But if I've been doing it faithfully, reading her stories, and I say, sweetheart, we're going to have a story tonight, she can look forward to that with great expectation because she believes me and she trusts me based on how faithful I've been in keeping my promises. But if I'm not faithful, how can she have hope? Biblical hope is built on the foundation of faith. Hope is the earnest anticipation that comes from believing uh, in faith for something good. Hope is the peaceful assurance that something that has happened, not happened yet, will indeed happen. So like faith, hope also involves something that is yet unseen. Romans 8.24 we read, Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Jesus' return is our great hope. We can't see him yet, but we know he's coming. And we anticipate that event with joy. So in Advent, what we do is we look back in faith to remember Jesus' first coming. We are remembering what he's already done. In Advent, we also look forward in hope to anticipate Jesus' arrival and his second coming. And we remember what he said he's still going to do. So by faith, we read that Jesus ascended to his heavenly throne on the clouds. And scripture gives us a glorious hope that he's going to return the same way on the clouds. And do you know in scripture it says that we're going to meet him in the sky? So all those people are into uh, the Marvel movies and Superman and, and that. We're going to get to fly, guys. That's going to be a little bit weird as you start taking off the ground, but I think we'd probably get the knack of it. Did you see that Superman movie um, where... He hasn't yet learned how to fly, and he has a few attempts and smashes into a few mountains. I hope we have a better go at it than that, but that's something to look forward to. Now, for, for lots of people, that's a fantasy. But because of what Jesus has said, that's something I can look forward to. 
And so maybe you've never thought that uh, that's going to happen to you. But as a kid, I used to dream about flying. And uh, of course, dreams are dreams. You, you, you can do things in your dreams that you can't do in reality. But the whole thing with the kingdom of God, you see, is that sometimes we need to suspend the reality that we understand and know. And we need to lean in to what Jesus says we can do. Not what the evidence around us says, you know, I've not done that before. I mean, I don't think there's anybody here who's raised somebody from the dead yet. No? Nobody yet? But we can look forward to that because Jesus says we will do even greater things than he did. And he rose people from the dead, right? So it's really that simple. And you begin to see how this hope and faith thing works. If we can hope for something, then we can have faith to see it. But if you just live in the mundane and you don't look forward to what Jesus has equipped you as somebody who's been made in his image, the new creation image of God, then we're just going to go about our business doing the same old, same old. But I'm looking forward to the new stuff that's coming. Now, each of us has been born into this time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming. The overlap between these two times, the Bible refers to this present age as an age of darkness. And this is what people have problems with because they think, well, Jesus showed up. You know, even John the Baptist, when he was locked up in jail and he was confined, you know, that's a bit different from our home confinement that we've had and the lockdowns we've had. He just sent his disciples, just go and check, Jesus, are you really the one? Because sometimes the evidence around us can say, uh, was this part of the promise, Lord? But actually Jesus said to us, you know, to follow in my footsteps, you'll suffer. To follow in my footsteps, people will reject you. To follow in my footsteps, people might turn around and call you stupid. Because the evidence that we have doesn't come with the seen eye. The evidence that we have is God living in us. And as he reveals to us the truth of his presence and the truth of his glory, we can put faith in things that are unseen, but we all know them and share them together. So the kingdom inaugurated by Jesus in his first coming will be fully consummated in his second coming. And so the age to come is an age of light. But in this overlap of ages, we've been invited to be the light in the darkness. Now, we'd planned to bring a candle along today and do an illustration, which we'll do in a moment. But thank you, whoever set this up, because this is, this is wonderful. This is, this is the whole thing of Advent. And you might think lighting candles is maybe a bit passe and, you know, maybe that's for another church or anything like that. But you're going to see what a wonderful picture and a simple picture. Jesus preached through the things around him all the time, often agricultural pictures. But something as simple as this candle can reflect great truth. So the hour we first believe, we're invited to live out of a kingdom mindset, out of an eternal mindset. God invites us to partner with his Holy Spirit to see his kingdom breaking through now for his will to be done on earth now as it is in heaven. So when we look to heaven, we ask ourselves questions like, is there sickness and death in heaven? No. So by faith, we can call forth healing from heaven to earth. Jesus taught us to pray, right? Let, your, let my will be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. So when we look to heaven, we look with hope because we still see sickness around us. But I know in this church, you guys have seen healings around you. You've seen that future uh, kingdom of heaven breaking into today. And we ask ourselves, are there broken relationships in heaven? No. So let's call forth reconciliation. Now, it might seem impossible. It might seem that a relationship um, is completely um, not able to be restored. But with God, all things are possible. So we need to hold out hope that God can break in, just as we do um, with uh, the physical things of uh, healing and, um, and seeing people raised from the dead. Is there poverty in heaven and a lack in heaven? No. So again, as his people, we're to reflect on the earth, that light in the darkness. And I know this place, you're in this very place now, because I think it was uh, David and Carol's initiative, I, I kind of think, to start the Mercy Center and, you know, you wanted to be a message of hope to the poor. I mean, who, who are you? You're just a couple of people who said, we're going to stand up in our community and we're going to be a light. And we're going to shine what we believe is coming right here today so that people can rock up next door and they can grab clothes for the naked. It's as simple as that, guys. Our hope needs to be anchored in Jesus and his promises. So it's not a case of, I hope I'm going to get a steak dinner tonight. I'm sure you all do hope that, and we use hope in that way. But that's more like a wish. You know, I, I wish I could. There's no evidence for that. I think there's no evidence for that, but I didn't see a steak in the fridge. So, uh, fueled by future hope, we can exercise faith for today. So to show the reality of what we hope for, the evidence of things we cannot see, hope is so essential. One day the whole world will see Jesus and bow the knee. That's what scripture says. The whole world. Even the most aggressive atheist on the planet today will bow the knee and see Jesus for who he is, as Lord. He is Lord. But until then, his body, the church, the one sitting in your seat, you're the ones who get to reveal the truth and the power of the kingdom that's coming. We reveal it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised never to leave us alone, didn't he? So he's not asked us to do this stuff by ourselves. But through the Holy Spirit, he's got gifts for you. And it's a good time to be talking about gifts, isn't it? And this is another reason that I love Christmas, because apart from your birthday and maybe at Easter, when, when do we get so extravagant about giving gifts? But this is the nature of who our Father is. Jesus himself is a gift. And if you're a giver, I tell you what, it becomes a contagious thing because it really is better to be a giver than to, to receive. We all like receiving things, but once you get this passion for giving, you just connect with who God is. So God wants to give us gifts, and he wants to give us the fruit of character. And we're invited to be tomorrow people living the future today. Tomorrow people living the future today. Because if we're tomorrow people, but we don't live that future today, then the world looks at us and says, 
you're just living out of a fantasy. You might as well be buying into Marvel and going along to uh, Comic-Con and dressing up as uh, um, Superman or things like that. You know, it's nice, but it's a kind of fantasy. But we live that tomorrow by exercising faith to see that hope break through today. Now, the Corinthian church, they were a charismatic bunch, but they were rife with division. They prided themselves on the fact that they could speak in tongues and demonstrate other attention-getting gifts. And there's many churches around that today because our human nature, sometimes it lingers. The old age, we want to compare and compete. doesn't exist in the kingdom. Father's got enough gifts for all of us. We don't have to worry about stealing somebody else's gift or trying to hold ours up. But like Paul, I wish every believer would be um, desiring the gifts of the Spirit and that we'd be able to reveal Jesus to a lost world. It says, eagerly desire prophecy. And if prophecy is important, how much more is healing? God wants to break into this world, and he's chosen you to do it through. Now, Paul needed to remind the Corinthian church of the most excellent way. So you take all of those gifts, which are pretty cool, but then he said, there's an even better way, and it's the way of love. You see that big banner over your door there? Um, His banner over me is love. We know when we look at God, that's what we see, and that's what keeps drawing us, because he expresses his love to us in so many ways. So coming back to this um, scripture, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Paul had just listed another set of three gifts that would not remain. Uh, Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. The gifts that the Corinthians so desired were important, but only temporary. Faith, hope, and love, however, they're the foundational gifts of the kingdom. They're permanent, and we should be really passionate about seeking after those. So at Advent, I just want us to consider how these three things work together, faith, hope, and love. So we've got a picture here of a candle. And uh, what we see is our faith is like the flame on the candle. We see the light that the candle gives off. And that reflects a hope to the world. Sorry, that that reflects um, the love of God to the world as we bring light in the darkness. Then the candle itself, if I cut that wick off, the flame would go out. Because without hope, we can't exercise faith. So hope is like the fuel for faith. And so um, I was intrigued today by the, the passage that the gentleman read out over here about the, the wise and the foolish virgins or bridesmaids. Um, some kept their candles burning, their lamps burning, others didn't, they weren't ready. But we've been invited to be a light amongst the darkness. And without all of those elements, you cannot have a witness, an eternal witness to the kingdom that's coming. So Jesus says in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, 
that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now as Aussies, I know that we really struggle with that, don't we? little thing called tall poppy. Why would we let our light shine, you know? We don't want to big ourselves up. We're, we're used to being around the English who, who they're masters at bigging themselves up. Um, and we like to take them down a peg or two. And I can get away with saying that because I was born there. Um, but your father, he's so proud of you. Just kind of, he's got his dad goggles on. And when he looks at you, he just wants to kind of boast about you and your achievements. And so he wants your light to shine amongst the world so that other people see your good deeds and they say, wow, wow, you come from a good family. You come from good stock. Now, John Wesley in the 18th century, um, he was an English revivalist and he said, I set myself on fire and people come to watch me burn. He didn't have any sense of tall poppy there, did he? Because he knew who he was in God. 18th century England was a really bad place. We think now is tough. <laughs> Go and read the stories about what it was like then. Wherever he went, they would try and stone him and kill him. But on horseback, he rode something like, what was it, a million miles on horseback. And he led a quarter of a million people to the Lord in England and Wales and roundabouts. Now on horseback, his heart was strangely warmed by the Spirit, and he turned a nation to God. Who wants to burn like that? Hold your horses. We're going to finish speaking in the moment. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to do the speaking and invite him to come and fill you up to overflow. But Helen has some good news for us of those who are in need of greater hope. Thank you, Jonathan. There's some good news about hope. It's not something out there, you know, that we need to kind of grab a hold of. Because Jesus is our hope, isn't he? And he lives in us. So we actually carry that hope that Jonathan has been talking about within us. That's the good news. Now you might be feeling like, I don't really feel that way at times. I don't really know how to take a hold of that. But I want to encourage you today that hope lives within you. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is quoting from the prophet Isaiah. And he reads that he will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. But he will cause justice to the victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. So I want to encourage you today, if you're feeling a little bit like a candle that, that flickers and is looking like it might get snuffed out, that's not God. He's not going to put out a flickering candle. And God is for you no matter what your circumstances are. And as Jonathan shared, his hope, 
His heart for you is that you will be filled with hope, that you can be that light in the darkness, that city on a hill that draws others to Jesus and the hope that he is. Sometimes we look at ourselves and we forget that. We forget that we are that hope for others, that we are that light that draws others to Jesus, and that we have a powerful story to tell of how he has impacted our lives. That your testimony, when you share it with others, is a hope for them, that there's more. There's more to this world than their circumstances. Because I can bet you that if we all sat around now and we shared how we were going when we met Jesus, that for some of us here, it probably wasn't all that great. And our circumstances might have looked really dire for some. And I I love hearing those stories of how Jesus comes in and turns lives around like he did mine and like he, he did for Jonathan. And you have that hope burning within you and that light that you can share with others. When we were preparing this message, I was reminded of um, that wonderful vineyard um, song, Faithful One, by Brian Dirksen. Faithful one, so unchanging. Ageless one, you're my rock of peace. Lord of all, I depend on you. You are my rock in times of trouble. You lift me up when I fall down. All through the storm, your love is the anchor. My hope is in you alone. And God's word encourages us, doesn't it? That even in the midst of our difficulties, we can be confident of God's unfailing love for us. I'm going to read a well-known passage from Romans 5, but I'm reading it in the, the Passion Translation, so it might sound a little different. Reading it from verse 3 of chapter 5. But that's not all, says Paul. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance, And that patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, because now we can experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know, we went on quite a journey to come to Australia God put a call on our life to come, and we, we, uh, we, we came initially in obedience. We were here for about 15 months um, as part of, uh, we, we initially came as part of an, uh, um, a prayer journey, uh, bringing a message of reconciliation um, between Australia and Britain. We thought we might do that for a couple of weeks and go home, and it will be good, but God really knitted our hearts to you guys, and we went on a journey of realizing that God really wanted us to come and dwell in this land. Um, now, don't believe what you read in the media. It's actually really, really hard to get to Australia. And we went on a journey with God where he led us through some challenges of how we could secure a visa um, under our own terms um, in Australia rather than linked to some kind of employment or something like that, independent visa. 
And um, at times that journey looked really hopeless. The clock was ticking. We had to get all of our sort of ducks in a row before Jonathan turned 35. Um, we, there are many different routes to us that weren't, weren't available. You had to get points on an on a, on a immigration scale. Some of you may have been through that um, uh, route yourselves. But there was one night when we were really hopeless because we thought we couldn't do this. And um, Daniel was a four. And he woke up. And he had had a, a, a bad dream. Now, some you know your children quite well. Um, some of them often wake up in the night and, and disturb you and wake you up. D- John, Daniel was a brilliant sleeper, and he hardly ever woke up and came to get us in the night. We were still watching TV downstairs. And Daniel woke up as Jonathan and I were sitting on the sofa saying, it really looks hopeless. I don't know how we can um, push through on this um, immigration application that we had. And our little boy, Hope, wakes up. And the prophecy that's on his life is to do with Britain and Australia that I spoke about earlier. And he came, and Jonathan was lying on the sofa, and Daniel needed a cuddle, and he just came and lied on Jonathan's chest. And I just felt to go and get an Australian flag that we had been given as a promise. And Daniel went back to sleep on his daddy's chest like young ones like to do. We just laid the flag over the top of them and we shared communion together. And God reminded us to look to him and say, I am your hope. I am the one who's going to open the doors in your life, even though it looks like you can't do it. You know, and on our own, we couldn't. We couldn't have got to Australia without God. And the story um, that we have is really convoluted, so I won't go into it. But it tells of the, 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 the wonderful way that God is able to open a door where it seems there is no way. So we just want to encourage you today that we're not looking at our circumstances when we're talking about hope. You know, if Mary looked at her circumstances, it would have looked really dire. But God is our hope, and Jesus lives in us. And so he, he comes alongside us, he forms us to be more and more like us, like him. He lives within us. And so I want to encourage you today. We're going to make some time and space for the Holy Spirit to come. If you are feeling yourself maybe hopeless today, if you're feeling a little bit like that flickering candle, or maybe you're feeling passionate for God and you want to be like John Wesley And you want God to set you on fire with more and more hope so that your tank is full to overflowing, that you can go out and minister to others that hope that we have in Jesus. Then we want to pray for you too. So I want to encourage you now. I know it's hot in here. But we've got an opportunity right now where we can say to the God of heaven, I need you. Would you come and make the change? I'm ready for you. So, shall we stand together?